community. We get the open double doors, son. Double voice, son. And dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And So I think that we we got a little commander cast connection here. It's tenuous. Tenuous at best. And welcome to CommanderCast, episode 245, where you're a weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on... The fuck was that? Uh, it's supposed to be the part where you're supposed to say we were hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. No, 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 uh, just, there's, there's this huge whoosh. Like, you just completely took over your mic. Like, what was that? Oh, that was my mic grazing across my beard. All right, then. So... As Calvin said, we are, in fact, the CommanderCast.com, and I am your host, William. And as I have already introduced him, Calvin, my co-host. Calvin, how are you doing tonight? Hey, everybody. This is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red Zone around the internet. Let's see here. Uh, this week on CommanderCast, we'll be sitting here. We're going to be making a couple of discussions. We're going to be talking about a few things, some introspectives, I guess is a nice way of putting it. Uh, something about masters and, like, baiting, I think. Not necessarily saying that anyone's going to be baiting the master, but something along that line. Or at least that's what I gathered as, like, in a pre-phone call discussion something prior to this particular one. Something like that. So, we are recording this on April 21st. This is the weekend before the Pro Tour. So, by the time you're hearing all this, some of your favorite mythics might have actually spiked. And I'm going to be pissed if that Jason's of spiking again. Oh, yeah, he will. Because like it's, it's Jace. It's a Jace that draws you a card. Of course he's going to see play. I just... If I don't get one in that box that my friend said he would trade me, I'm actually going to be a little upset that I didn't pick him up sooner. It's like... I blame you. <sighs> Alright, so, Calvin, favorite command this week? Uh, hmm. Actually, that's a very valid question. I didn't get a chance to play any magic this week. So, in order to save myself some time, I'm going to go back to my default of Ashley the Pilgrim, because her and her 99 mountains are all the bomb. Alright, and this week, I'm actually going to go with Nexar because I have some plans to really do some silly shenanigans. Well, I'm thinking I'm going to try with Nexar is that right now he's kind of built around this whole uh, chaos control idea that he's going to play a control through chaos effects, if that makes sense. You know, like messing up people's plans with the possibility storm about all of instances or counters. But what I actually want to try is I want to kind of make it a deck where Tibble can be really good. Like, I enjoy playing Tibble. Tibble takes this, a lot of the decision out of my hands. It becomes a, okay, Tibble, what am I going to do this turn? Oh, got rid of a land? That was my only land? Okay, I guess I'm not playing that, and I guess that just means I don't get to play any 5-drops. But that's okay. Let, what can we do with just a 4-man? But with all this madness stuff coming out, and it coincidentally being in Grixis, I kind of want to see if there's a way for me to make kind of a Mad King deck with Nexar at the helm. Which is great, because that's awesome. Always the kind of flavor that I wanted with Nekasol was that he was a mad king. And so madness feels like a really perfect fit for that. Yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. You have the mad king with a deck full of madness cards, things that discard randomly in red, a uh, couple of gamble-like effects. Kind of like your uh, quiz show deck, but not so, you know, quizzy. Just more like, who knows what the fuck's about to happen. Yeah, like crazy yeah. like a fox. Uh, I'm just going to go straight up crazy. I know crazy. I've been there. I've done that. Crazy is just, you know, a thing. I've actually gone so crazy at one point that I actually went sane out of boredom. Hmm. All right, then. 
So guys, if you like what we do here at CommandCast.com, you can go ahead and join us in our conversation. Do it on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, even on the Reddits. You can also do it on the YouTubes. Actually, right now, as I speak, I'm currently uploading what will be last week's episode for you guys. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's almost, it's about a third of the way through uploading to YouTube. I really need to make sure I do that a little sooner. And you can also donate to the Patreon. That's right, you don't have to give us a lot. You can just drop us off a little bit of tip. Or just a tip, ladies and gentlemen. A single dollar. One dollar, and that's just a tip. So that's the Patreon. Yeah, bro, that's the Patreon. And there's a huge portion of there that we talked about that you listeners probably won't hear until we've actually got a chance to talk about it a little bit more in detail. <coughs> and I'll probably cut it out. All right, then. But, All right, William, so what are we up to now? All right, so guys, today, instead of doing, like, our normal three-topic stuff, today I wanted to kind of just have a talk episode. Shoot the shit. Not, not, not even shoot the shit. Like, I actually have an idea of what I want to talk about today, and it's something that we'll go into when we get into, you know, the actual talk and discussion thing. So stay tuned, everyone, we'll be right back. It's shooting. Hello, listeners. This is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red somewhere on the internet. Are you ever feeling upset, down, lonely, depressed? Feel as though that you just can't go on? Well, you know what the captain does when he's having those moments? He gets up. He puts his clothes on, slides his shoes on, heads down to the corner store, and picks himself up a nice cherry pie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, cherry pie. It'll bring all the fun, joy, and laughter back into your life that you wish you had had. So, for today's topic, and I am going right into this, you know... That's what she said. <sighs> Alright, so, one of my biggest influences for kind of how I handle myself, personally, is an episode of Limited Resources, where Marshall's talking about, you know, learning to be a professional poker player, and, you know, uh, you know hand- learning how to handle himself when he plays Magic, and just his mentality, where he goes, you know, I one of the biggest lessons I learned was that some nights you actually just walk in to play and when you, by the time the night's out you've just you've actually just lost $200. Mm-hmm. And the day that I figured out to just kind of accept that sometimes you're going to have nights like that is the day where I had a better handle on, you know, my emotions, my you know, my ability to keep myself from tilting. And that message was so strong for me because I used to be the type of player who would get very easily frustrated you know, I would start throwing a tantrum if I something just wasn't going the way I want wanted to. Not in the you know whiny kid th- throwing themselves down the hallway because you know mom and dad won't give him the cocoa puffs. But in the oh my god, I can't do this. I can't. I'm such a fucking idiot. What? Why didn't I do that? Oh my god, it's just you know complete and utter tilting. And I had friends who would try and help me feel louder. They'd be like, hey, you know, it's just a game, you know, chill out and all that. Mm-hmm. And to me, saying that was just kind of like a, hey, this thing that you're getting super invested in is actually stupid. Chill the fuck out. That, you know, that's kind of how it came across to me. It was like, I'm putting in all this effort and energy, and I just felt like that effort and energy just got belittled and invalidated. Like, for me, that was part of the frustrating thing. But once I actually came to terms with the fact that, hey, sometimes you actually just lose. I learned to kind of loosen up, and that helped me out immensely because I wasn't tilting as hard, and 
you know, I was actually playing better because I was able to kind of keep my concentration together. Now, I bring this up because recently, like I say, I say recently, it was like a couple months ago, I had a friend move back to the Columbus area after being in Pittsburgh for over a year. And this is like one of my, one of my friends, one of the guys I love playing commander with. And one of the first nights he was back, you know, I kind of, this was before Prophet of Kufix was banned for sure. Prophet of Kufix. I remember because that was part of what set it off. I saw a second one hit the field, and I was just like, nope, done. I just kind of shot out my chair, you know, waved my head in the air. Like you just don't care? Yeah, it just went off, like, to the other side of the room. I was like, nope, I'm done. I am fucking done. I'm tired of this game. Just no. And this was also, like, before, you know, we had Sheldon on last, and we could, and we really had that talk about what it means to be a, gen- a gentleman in EDH, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after that tantrum, like, I'm to the point where I know better than to do that. But it was also to the point where it's like, sometimes you kind of forget yourself. And so I was talking to my friend afterwards, he's like, yeah, you do have a t- t- tendency to, you know, go out of this. I have those games too, but I don't throw that, that tantrum. I scoop up my guards and I go, I am done playing this game. And then he just, you know, gets up and gets like a drink of water or something. And so that's kind of what I want to share here because I know that we do have... There are other players too, and this is still a problem that I work with, where you're playing with someone, and you know maybe it's the deck they're playing, maybe they've just wrapped the board for the fifth time, maybe they've wiped out your lands, maybe that person themselves is actually just irritating to you for, for some reason, but they give you this knee-jerk reaction every t- time, and it just causes you to tilt. Suddenly, you start feeling frustrated, you start feeling angry, and you're just like, oh god, it's just... <sighs> It happens when I play a certain one of my friends. He plays a, contr- a certain style of control deck that happens to be a super grindy super friends deck. And anytime he gets to, you know, just down to him and me, and he starts grinding it out, and I start feeling it. I start feeling the tilt. I start feeling the, oh god, I hate this. I'm starting to become frustrated, but I hate this. One of the things that, you know, I've kind of learned to do, you know, to just kind of manage this. To just kind of immediately separate myself from the situation. A lot of the times when it's someone I'm just talking to or a customer or anything like that, you know, there are times where I say, I need to, you know, just get outside, take a deep breath, or just pass this person along to, you know, another one of the uh, the people who works at the store or someone else you might know. You know, just take a deep breath and get away from the situation. When you're in a game, you can't necessarily do that because you have to be an active participant. You know, sometimes you can say... Okay, I need to get away, I need to use the bathroom, or whatever, it's, if it's multiplayer. But at some point, you have to come back to the game. So, Calvin, to kind of throw this into your court now, what are the, some of the things that kind of tilt you when you start playing a, a game? You know, just kind of, just doesn't even have to be magic, just any game in general. I typically don't, though. Hmm. Why do you think that is? Uh, give me one brief second, because as after listening to you talking about how you've gone on tilting, I figured I figured out exactly where I want to take this topic, but uh, you were asking me about how I usually deal with tilting and how I tilt what tilts me in game. Well, then let me. Well, actually, let me rephrase that based on what you said before. Calvin, do you tilt easily, or do you know someone who kind of tilts easily? Oh no, I know a lot of people that tilt easily. I, for one, typically don't though, because most games of Magic, I really just don't care. Well then, let's. T- I, d- I don't invest myself into most games of Magic enough to the point where I get tilted. I'm the guy that comes out, and if we're at a pre-release, I don't look at it as I'm going to be out of $25 if I don't win this pre-release. 
if I'm going out to Friday Night Magic and I'm playing in like a F and M, I'm not the guy that goes in there and says, if I don't win this tournament, I'm out what like fifteen bucks and three booster packs or whatever. And I'm not the guy that shows up to play commanded with a group of people and then be like, oh man, I can't believe that I spent the entire evening losing. Because for me, when I head out to a pre-release, I don't look at it as I'm about to lose $25. I look at it as I'm spending $25 to get a chance to sit down, relax, and do something I enjoy for the next few hours. Now, whether or not I win or lose, I could care less. If I end up, because if I'm at a pre-release, I'm telling you right now, I'm playing every round. I don't give a damn if I do end up going 0-8 or whatever. So then, what about when other people tilt? How, what's your typical reaction to someone tilting in front of you? Or how do you help someone who is tilting? Eh, I try to do what your friend did and basically tell them that, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's just one round. It's just one game. We'll be able to, you'll be playing again soon. I'm pretty sure it ain't that bad. And, you know, worst case scenario, hey, at least you got a chance to come out and, you know, get out the house for a few hours. Now, hearing, but here's one thing I wanted to kind of bring to you, William. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, after listening to what you were saying about how you tilt, and how you go through tilting. You know what it reminds me of? You know what it sounds like a lot to me? What? It sounds a lot like the seven stages of grief. Hmm? The seven stages of grief. Have you heard of them? No, I've heard of like four sta- four or five stages of grief, I thought. Uh, well, grief has multiple stages. And the most accepted term, for, number form is seven. And on each stage, there's several different things that you could potentially be going through. Okay. Now, say, for instance, the first initial stage of grief is shock and denial. Okay? This okay. is the point where something happens, and you're trying your best to be like, oh, no, that couldn't have never happened. Oh, no, that's not exactly what was going to happen. Oh, that didn't go with, no, there's no way that this could have happened. And you're completely thrown off. This would be the beginning of your, quote-unquote, tilt. Why? Because you brought the best deck. You've got the best cards. You spent the entire weekend practicing. You knew exactly what your opponent was going to do. And yet somehow you lost. Sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes some of it comes from thinking that you're better than you actually are. Thinking, okay, no, I should be better than this. I shouldn't have yeah, made but... this mistake. Or sometimes thinking, okay, there's got to be a way to win. There's got to be a way to win. There's got to be a way to win. That's and, that's, yeah. and, that, and, that's the, and that's the shock and that's the denial. Because mm-hmm. it's the, you're shocked. Here it is. You done spent all your money. You done built this bomb, uh, 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 uh. Damn it. Why can't I think of a commander right now? Uh, you built this bomb Krinko mob boss deck, right? Oh, man. It's got all, it's it's got, it's got, it's got all the goblins. It's got all the things. It's all got the all mountains. the stuff. All the mountains. Filled to the brim with artifacts to take care of all those protection from red things. And yet here it is. You play against somebody and they have like some deck that you know that your goblins should be just demolishing. And yet somehow, some way, they beat you. You're shot. You're in denial. No, no, no. They only beat me. Because of X. And X is, he only beat me because I didn't draw the card I needed. Uh, he only beat me because I didn't get to that mana that I needed. Oh, uh, he only beat me because his deck gave him everything he needed and I didn't shuffle correctly. And now you're in denial and you're trying to make up excuses and trying to come up with a reason for what actually happened. But you know what? You know, it's, it's the initial shock. It's perfectly fine. We can do something about this, right? And then you go into the process of trying to play again. And he get, and the next thing you know, he, you play against somebody else. You play another game somewhere else. And you get beaten again. At this point, you start getting to the point of like true denial. It's like, what's going on? What's the problem here? 
And then eventually you step into the second stage of um, grief, which is pain and guilt. You start getting pain. You start feeling hurt. You start feeling guilty. You start feeling like, wow, did I actually get the right deck for this weekend? Did I actually put together the right cards? Is there something I'm missing? Am I playing wrong? Because, you know, you start guilt tripping yourself, right? Yep. And then the third stage of the seven stages of grief is anger and bargaining. At this point, you're basically mad. You're upset. You're frustrated. You're basically getting so pissed off at every little thing. If he plays an island on turn one, even if he doesn't have a counter spell, you're already pissed because you just got beat by two decks that played an island on turn one. And damn it, you will not allow this bastard to beat you with the same strategy, even though he probably isn't even playing it. And then you get to the point of bargaining. Start thinking to yourself, well, maybe there's something I can do to change this. Maybe I can trick him into making some type of mistake. Maybe if I shuffle my deck correctly or like put a little bit more extra effort into making sure that each card that I search for is exactly what I want. Or even there, that's a lot of when, you know, the superstitions and the luck comes to play. Oh, when I get the uh, the high roll, I actually do better. Or if I don't right. go to the bathroom or if I don't talk to people about my match results. Exactly. So that's the point where you start bargaining and start trying to find other means and ways to prevent yourself from going any further. Right. Yep. And then after you've been angry and after you've bargained and you're already feeling guilty about everything and you're already in denial about how everything is, it starts to settle in. And you know what? That's when you hit the depression stage of the seven stages of grief. It's round four and and five. You're like one and three. You're just looking at your cards in your hand. You've got like four lands and a six drop. You're not going to be able to play anything. When you do get to play something, they just kill it and you go... But even then, at that particular point, that it doesn't even have to be that. When you hit the depression stage of the seven stages of grief in tilt mode, what ends up happening here now is is that you get to a point where even if your hand is bomb, you even if you have every card, it's like if you're playing Yu-Gi-Oh! and your opening hand had four pieces of Exodia and you know that the top card is the fifth piece, you could care less. Because you know somehow, some way, you're going to lose this game. And even if you do win, it doesn't matter because I've already lost every other round before it. I'm not going to be able to make the top eight or I'm not going to be able to get a good win in tonight. The only reason I'm winning is because of this random luck that I just happen to have. Oh, well. You start, right? you start wondering why you're still playing. And you're like, man, maybe I should just take a break. Maybe I should just stop for a while. Yeah, And then during, the, and during this stage of grief with depression comes reflection. Because you'll be depressed and you'll be too busy looking back on everything else and too busy looking on what got you to this point. Why? Oh, why did I spend all this money making this deck just to come out here and lose? Why did I take all that time? I spent an entire week doing research, figured I had the best card, and yet here it is. I'm not even going to be able to make the top eight or I'm not going to be able to beat any of my friends this weekend or... Every card that I've played so far, none of my friends are impressed with, and they just keep steamrolling me each and every game. I'm, I'm I'm spending more time going to the refrigerator and getting beers for everybody than I am actually playing Magic. Why did I waste my time even coming out here? (sighs) But then you have the acceptance part. But acceptance doesn't come just yet. Acceptance is at the end. Oh, see, after after depression, there comes what is known as the upward turn. And then after that, it's called reconstruction. And then there comes acceptance and hope. Hmm. Now, see, with the upward turn, this is the point when you start coming out of your tilt. 
this is the point where you start doing better. You start realizing, like, you know, you can still be upset. You can still be angry. You're still probably going to be feeling denial or guilt or all the other emotions from the previous tilt. But you're actually realizing, like, you know what? It is just a game. Or, you know what? I am doing a little bit better now. And then the upward turn comes to the point where eventually you get to what's known as the reconstruction stage. And the reconstruction stage is basically where you start putting things back together. You start coming, you start looking back at the past failures and the past things that have occurred and start trying to find ways to either A, rebuild and make something better. And in this case, since we're talking about magic, it's basically going back, looking at the strategies that you've created and then coming to the realization like, you know what? I might have just built this deck wrong. Maybe the problem here is, is that I just don't know how to play control. Maybe I'm just, you know, need to practice a little bit more. Or maybe I'm playing the wrong type of control deck. Here it is. I've got all this stuff that counters an artifact, but the meta that I was in doesn't really have any artifacts. It's not really a denial of anything. It's just more of the understanding of what went wrong and then trying to do what you can to prevent it from going wrong again. And then at the end comes acceptance and hope. Acceptance basically is big. Shut up, Navi. I'm being deep here. You're getting on my nerve already. Acceptance is the point where you're basically trying to do what you can to be like, you know what? I'm not going to win every game. I'm not destined to, you know, constantly lose every game either. But I will do my best. And I will keep practicing. And I'll get better at this game. And I'll do more than I can. And then the hope stage comes in. And you're basically at that point where it's like, you know what? Everything is going to work out. And one day, I might just be able to be at the top eight again. So... Here's my observations from that. With tilting, you're right, there are a lot of parallels between that and, like, the boost cycle. But I think a lot, but if you look at stuff like what triggers the tilt and stuff like that, a part of me thinks, part of it's, you know, control issues. You know, sometimes grief comes from things that are, in fact, outside of your control. And I think a lot of it for the tilting does that too. Like, if you look at the spiky players and the players that do tend to do this, because I think a lot of this tends to happen to players who get more invested and they get more competitive, you know, reasons why people like you don't actually tilt that often. If you're just playing because you're having fun and it's whatever, then you're already set. But for people like how I used to play the game, where a lot of our identity did get involved into this particular hobby, and sometimes you start putting your worth into that, into something like that too. You know, how well you do kind of reflects to, you know... How good of a person you are. Kind of. It's, it's sort of like a validation, almost. And so when things start getting out of control... You know, you start getting angry because, you know, you've been practicing and it feels like there should be, you know, you should be doing better than this. You know, when you start doing stuff like sports, there's a lot more stuff that falls under your control. Obviously, you can't control your teammates, but you can control, you know, how well you've been doing, how well you've been practicing. And then you can get into like a zone and you can start succeeding a little more regularly. But with something like a card game, you know, there's a random number generator in here. You're not guaranteed to get the same numbers every game. You can playtest a deck to a point where you get the results as consistent as you can, and you can have a certain threshold that you're happy with. But, you know, sometimes you do just get those games where you get nothing but land. And for some people, that's part of the tilting factor, because it's like, well, shit, I couldn't actually do anything. Why does my deck hate me? God. And for some people, some it becomes a, God, why am I so bad? type thing, even though it wasn't actually something you could control. You know, when I was playing at the Shadows of Ministry Pulis, there were plenty of games where I got to remember what that felt like, where it's like, <sighs> I couldn't draw enough lands to play all my spells, or we were both in top deck mode, and I just got five straight lands, and he actually got a couple of creatures and just killed me. Mm-hmm. 
So a lot of that is, you know, people wanting more control with a situation, and then just not being able to recognize that, hey, sometimes these things just happen. The fact that you couldn't do anything about it doesn't make you a bad person or make you weak or a bad player. It doesn't invalidate you in any way. It's just how life goes. And it's important to, you know, recognize that fact because the one thing you do have control over is how you react and deal with the situation. That's not to say that you shouldn't feel frustrated or upset or angry or sad that you didn't make top eight. Those feelings are absolutely valid. And it's natural and important for you to feel those emotions as you do. But after you've had that time to kind of, you know, make peace with how you're feeling, it's where do you go from there? How do you, you know, react to that situation? Because if your reaction is just, oh, you know, luck hates me and all that, I'm actually still a really good player, I just need to try this again, well, then you're not going to necessarily make any improvements, but you're not really worse off. Anyway, because you're just starting over again. Now, if you're able to objectively look at how you did, and it wasn't just, hey, this actually happened, it was, hey, I made mistakes, then you can look at those mistakes and then try better next time. If you're just in complete denial, and you, you know, you thought the 15 land deck with like the two six drops and all that stuff was actually going to work, and then you keep trying to do that, then you're just being stupid and setting yourself up for more failure in the future. Does that make sense? That makes sense, but... Here's the thing I wanted to kind of ask you about, though. Yeah. I'm going to um, touch back on to something that you mentioned a second ago. You said validation, correct? Right. One of the reasons that you go into tilt is because of validation. You're doing all of this. You're putting all this time. You're putting all this effort. You're doing all of this training. You're doing all this play testing, spending all this money, just so you can show that you're actually good at doing this thing, right? Yep. But now here in comes the real question, though. The real question is, what validation are you looking for? That's actually a very where, good where, where are you actually looking for validation from? What kind of validation would it take for you to realize that you're a good player? Would it mean getting a top eight? I mean, hell, anyone can get a top eight, technically. All you got to do is just go off to enough games and play enough times, and eventually you'll get a top eight. Or just hold a tournament where there's only eight people, and boom, you're a top eight. For me. So what, so what type of validation would you actually be going for? Now, see, the one thing I would say that I would think would probably be the best type of validation for any particular player is self-validation. You shouldn't be going out there to win top eights to prove that you're better than everybody else. You shouldn't need some trophy to basically tell you how good of a Magic player you are. You know how good you are because you've been playing Magic for however long. Hell, I've been playing it for years. I know exactly how good of a player I am and how good of a player I could be. I know combos. I know how to play control. I could play aggro. I've gone to tournaments. I've made top eight and four pre-releases and various things that I've gotten involved in. And yes, I've failed a lot of different things like states and other bigger tournaments. But you know what? I don't care about the validation from them because I already know how good I actually am. So it's interesting that you bring up the source of validation, right? Because let's bring it back to our primary format, Commander. This is a format where we're not playing for allocates, right? Like, there's no top eight finish here. There's no Commander Pro Tour, nothing like that. We're just yeah. sitting down at a table, ideally with three to four other people, and playing a game of casual shoot the breeze. But you can still go on tilt. Part of that, you know, is, you know, I built this deck. I'm trying to get get it going but it's not working the way I want it to. Or, hey, I'm here to have fun, 
but now I'm starting to get frustrated because of the way the game's going with the with everyone else who's at that table. So validation wise, where are you getting your validation from if that's why you're tilting? Are you tilting because, you know, you thought the deck was going to be better than it was, and you're frustrated because, you know, this was something that you made? Is it like that desk that you put together and then you fr- then it's you know, it's not actually able to hold the stuff that you want to put on it? I would say that the tilting that occurs in our particular format kind of falls into a slightly different breed of tilt than what would be considered for a competitive player. You see, what would normally put most commander players on tilt, it's not because the game or the fact that they didn't win. I mean, you know, there are some players out there that get upset because they didn't win the game that night. But the vast majority, from my understanding, and, you know, listeners, if you have any other inklings or any other things to kind of go against this, feel free to hit me up. But from my understanding, the vast majority of what commander players look for when they head out is not the win, it's the story. We go out there for the fun. They are going out there to drink beer with our buddies or to kick our feet up and get a chance to play some obscene backwatered card that we got off of eBay for 50 cents that does some randomly ridiculous effect that takes 20 minutes to set up. But because we can't do this anywhere else, we're trying to do it here. And that is what puts us as commander players on tilt. Not being able to get the story. Not being able to get the tale of the night. Sure, if you just wanted the wins, you can get wins. Build a really big, just build a really busted deck. Get a, a, a Zedru or some type of Enchantress build or get yourself a Urel the Mistdarker deck and just fill it up with all the best pieces. Like you can get the wins if the wins is all you want. Right? Right. So if you want to go home and be like, yeah, I beat everybody in my playgroup six times in a row tonight, you can do that. But what the average typical commander player wants at the end of the night, when the day is over and the beers are all drank, TV is off, everybody's packing their decks and they're headed home, they want to be in the car or on the bus or hanging out with their friends and talking about, man, did I have fun Saturday? Like, why? What happened? You're not going to believe it. William came out of nowhere with this Nornoweri deck. And, oh my god, the amount of things that every time we tried to kill him, he disappeared. Every time we tried to do this, William was able to do that. And what well, did William win? No, William didn't win. Inevitably, we killed him. But man, was that thing a bitch to get rid of. That's what a commander player wants. We want to be able to actually go out and be able to express and enjoy our format and tell people about how much fun we had. Sure, we sat down for two and a half hours and played one single game. But if we sat down for two and a half hours and played six, we'd be better off just playing standard or modern or something else. Because you can get a lot of those games just in just playing it if that's all you wanted to do. But that's not what we're here for. That's not what we're here for as commander players. The vast majority of us are here because we crave, we need that entertainment, that joy to be able to actually sit back and be like, gee, I can't believe it. You're not going to believe that William actually made a Super Mario Brothers U theme deck. And he's got every card in his deck custom made to look like a character or an object from Super Mario Brothers. And it is awesome. Bro, it's all about the cat suit. Right. And it's like, you know, like, and it's just like, you have a whole bunch of like pictures of like Mario and his different power ups and cats. So it's like, yeah, like granted, it's not actually him. We know it's not him, 
but the amount of time, the amount of effort, the fact that every land looked like like um, gold bricks, and every he had flip creatures that were like gold bricks on one side, but when they flipped over, they were brown bricks. So with a coin sticking out of them, it was fucking hilarious. Those are the things that we want because we want to be able to talk about the fun we've had with our friends and the fun that we've had with our compatriots. And we're not here to talk about who won. We're not here to talk about how many times we lost. So if a commander player goes on tilt, in my personal opinion, it's because we never got that chance to have that story. If I go out on a Saturday night I'm with my group and nothing interesting happens, nothing big occurs, we don't get a chance to really talk about anything. Now I feel like the day has been wasted. Now I go on tilt. Now I'm upset because I went out and spent time doing this when I could have been doing something else. Now I'm at that point where I'm in denial that I can't believe I actually spent two and a half hours sitting around doing nothing. Well, now I'm in a point where I'm having problems and I'm being angry and bargaining and trying to get, go through my depression because I'm trying to figure out why in the hell did I waste my time doing this? Because if I was going to just do this, I could have easily just gone somewhere else and lost. I came here and lost and I didn't even have fun. I came here to have fun minus w- whether or not I actually won or lost. And that is what separates commander players from standard and tournament based players. In my personal I think. There's one other thing to that. That is actually boobs. a fantastic one. Technically, boobs are two other things. Okay, then a fourth thing. So, there's also what I want to call the the inventor's frustration. Because what format has the most brewability of any other magic format? It's Commander, Leg- right? No, it's definitely Commander. It's definitely Legacy. Well... Legacy, you could build, technically, anything. Well, and you have access to, like, four copies of everything. With the exception of, like, a handful of certain cards. Alright, then let's pretend the Commander's at least the second most brewable format. This is the format... Uh, I will accept that. This is the format where we say you can literally play any card ever printed, right? This is the format where you can... the exception of whatever we put on our ban list. (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, you're actually right. So, you can take literally any concept and make a deck for that. You want to make an Avengers-themed deck? You absolutely can do that. You want to make uh, a Bant-colored deck with nothing but clues? You absolutely can. You want to make a deck based around the most horrible cards in Magic? By fucking God, you have a God-given American right to do that. But here's the thing. Some... I... Lately, I've figured out that I'm, kind, I'm more of a Johnny than anything else. Less of a Timmy and a Spike, and more of a Johnny. Because when I make a deck, I have an idea. I have an idea that I want to work with, and I want to try my best to get that idea to work. And sometimes after you've played the deck a whole bunch, you tried a couple different things, it feels like you're ramming your head against the desk, going, why isn't this working? What pieces am I missing? And sometimes after a certain game, kind of game, you know, you go down, you play for like the 50th time, and it start, you start getting frustrated. You're like, I'm not drawing the cards that I need to. The card flow here isn't working. I need to figure out what cards to swap in, swap out, where are my ratios going wrong. You know, it's inventor's frustration. The idea that, you know, without, you can have that 1% of inspiration and you can put in the 99% of perspiration. But if you don't have that little bit of luck to try and bring everything together, sometimes things just fall apart. But then there's the other part of that too that's not deck building, but actually in the gameplay. Sometimes it's dealing with other people in your area. Where if you know your friend plays a Narset Tokens deck and they keep playing it and you keep trying to find ways to deal with it, but you can't and you just keep dying to it, 
you know, sometimes that gets frustrating for you because you see this problem. You see this problem right in front of you, and there's a way to deal with it. There's a way to solve this. You know there is, but you can't, for the life of you, figure it out. Sometimes that gets frustrating for you, and that's more for the people who, you know, they enjoy the challenge. They enjoy, you know, the the puzzle inventor a- aspect of this game. It's when they can't figure it out after they've exhausted all their options. Well, therein lies one of the other, like, problems for why a, a Commander player would go on tilt. Because in Commander, you have the option to build any deck that you want, right? Yeah. And because of that, it separates us from competitive formats. Because in competitive formats, it becomes the, well, this is the best deck. If my deck can't beat that, then I'm just not going to play it at that tournament because I'm not going to win. Granted, you could still play your favorite deck there, but you have to go in with the knowledge of knowing that your favorite deck most likely is not going to be able to beat the top-tier deck. And you can take the top-tier deck and build it and construct it and play against it at home or have a friend take it, take you on with it just to get some practice games in, and you'll know how badly that top-tier deck is going to beat your deck. Granted, yeah, you're playing mono-green elves, but if blue-red Delver is what's tearing up the format right now and your elves can't compete against it, you can take your Elves deck to a tournament, but you know that you're not making that top eight. But here in Commander, here in Commander, any deck that you build, any deck you want, you want to build Goblins, you want to build a Mono Green Elves deck, you want to build your Avengers theme deck, you want to build your Thundercats theme deck, you can build it. But in Commander, when your favorite deck, your pet deck, the deck that you spent so much time doesn't win or doesn't come together the way you wanted it to, it takes a part of your soul. It takes a part of your heart because you took so much time and so much effort and all these, all, all this thought process of what you wanted your deck to be. And it's just not that. And that comes a point where a commander player could go on tilt because of their deck. Because it's the, I wanted to build this amazing thing. And in my head, it came out as this amazing, fun thing. And yet here it is. I'm at my play group and either A, my group doesn't enjoy it. I'm playing this random, like William puts his quiz show deck together of randomness. And he comes to his play group, and no one at the group even cares that he's took this time or effort in. Nothing's coming up right. The deck isn't running the way William is suspecting it, and his play group is just constantly destroying it. Not only is he losing, but he's no longer even having fun with the deck that he was trying to have fun with, and he's not even having fun with his friends while trying to play the deck that he built to have fun with them. So yeah, that would put you on tilt, because you'll be upset, you'll be angry, because it's like you took all this time and all this effort. And then you have to think to yourself, now what do I do? Do I continue working on this deck and try to make it better and try to do what I can? Or do I just put it to the wayside? And like myself, I'm, I consider myself to be somewhere more like of a Johnny slash Timmy. I not really, I don't really care about the big stompy dragons, but I do like having the big massive board presence of like just all the tokens and all the stuff and all the things and blah, 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 blah. But I do love actually building decks together that allow me to have like these little weird intricate ways of winning that my opponents or my friends didn't get a chance to see or know I was going to do. Being able to put in like a goblin marshal and having him tap and deal five damage to everything, but coming to realize I also have a card in my deck that gives my goblins protection from red so they don't die and I don't die or whatever, you know? It's nice to have those little Johnny moments as far as I'm concerned. But when I find myself playing a deck that's more of a spiky deck, yeah, I get to win. Yeah, I get to beat people. But if I'm not having fun and I'm not enjoying it, I tend to not play that deck. Any listeners who have listened to the show in the past knows that I have a Urel the Miststalker deck that I have put together. And it's filled with horrors, and I've gone through the time and the intricacies of 
making sure that I've plotted out like the proper manner base and chart out everything and making sure the whole thing is balanced. And I can typically get Uriel down as early as I want him to be now. And I can basically start swinging with him as early as I feel like swinging with him and keep him there. And you know, normally when I play my Uriel to Miss Darker deck, I can typically get as many wins as I choose. With the exception of the random, you know, two or three games, like random two games or so here and there where something comes up and someone's done something and killed off URL or I've gotten the wrong cards or my deck didn't give me the right things that I needed at the right time to be able to do it. Like a little corner case scenario. But typically, when I'm playing URL, yeah. Do I get the wins? Of course. But do I have fun? Not really. Because, you know, it's URL. I'm doing this thing and I've been doing this thing and I'm not really doing what I enjoy. So yes, I'm winning. No, I'm not really having fun. So as a Johnny slash Timmy player, technically I should be taking my Euro to Miss Docker deck apart and not playing it because I don't enjoy playing it. Now granted, I do still have it built for those times when I do just feel like going out there because my moods shift and sometimes I do actually just want to win a few games. Mm-hmm. If I've been playing a few months and I realize, you know what, last couple of games, last couple of game nights I've gone out, I haven't really won anything. Uh, you know what, maybe I, it's time for me to get a win in or two here and there. I'm going to break out the URL and Mist Darker deck, show these people that I can still actually, you know, kick some butt and take some names. But, you know, it's more of just there just so I can be able to get the win, but it's not because I'm there because I'm having fun. Typically, if you see me sit down at a commander de- uh, at a commander game and I'm pulling out my URL and Mist Darker deck, I'm not doing it because I'm there to play and having fun. I'm just doing it because I actually just, you know, want to beat somebody's face in and I just want to win. So, Calvin, what do you think most people should do if it's something that's a little more abstract? Like, you know, with my Rexiel deck. You know, I like the Rexiel deck, but I've had this problem for like the past three years where I keep trying to tr- different things with it, but nothing just seems to work. You know, I've taken breaks, I've come back to it, I've tried new things, and just none of the ideas actually ever stick. And there's a frustration with that, too. What? You have to remember that in Commander, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of legendary creatures out there. I don't know the actual number. I've never actually looked it up. But by the time you listen to this, there's probably thousands. There might be hundreds. You know, because, you know, you could be listening to this in a distant future, and we've actually gotten to the point where there's like 23,000 legends, because we're on like Magic 48th anniversary, or whatever the case may be. We've gone to Kamigawa like six times between now and then. Uh, Right now there are 623 legendary creatures. So, yeah, so there's 623 legendary creatures at the time. Now, granted, you could build... Not counting any, like, flip cards or transform cards. Right. So, like, yeah, so granted, like, basically there's a little over 600, getting close to that 700 mark of legendary creatures you could potentially pick from, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you could just go right ahead, purchase every single one of those legendary creatures and build an entire thing, uh, an entire deck around that one person to have 700 different decks, Right. But not necessarily every legendary creature and every legendary and every commander deck that's built for those people, for those commanders are for the person that they play. Now you say you have issues trying to figure out what to do with Rexio, right? Yep. And you've been banging your head against the wall and trying to figure out a way to get Rexio in there and trying to figure out how to get, uh, Rexio to work. But in the same token, it's kind of like trying to force a relationship. You know? Mm. Rexio's doing something, you're doing something. What Rexio is doing is not something you really want to be doing, but you're trying to force it because you want to be the guy who has the Rexio deck, right? Well, that's not necessarily it so much as, you know, he does, I like what he does. Okay. I, 
I just can't figure out what I'm doing with the deck itself. All right, you're going to have to get a little bit more like detailed for me about that. What is it about the deck that you're having trouble with? Is the deck winning? And not really, but that's not really the problem. The problem is that it doesn't feel like it really does anything. When you play the deck, do you enjoy it? Not really, because it just feels... It just doesn't feel like it does anything. And honestly, I don't know what it does. That exactly. One... So that's what I'm saying. You're building a deck for a legendary creature that you're trying to make work, but then again, you're not having fun. It's not really a winning game. And I'm and I'm telling you, you can build a Rexio deck that will win games. You can build a Rexio deck that can be fun. But if Rexio's form of fun is not something that you consider to be fun, you're never going to enjoy playing with Rexio. Look at Ashling and 99 Mountains. It's a simple deck. One legendary creature, 99 lands. That's it, right? Mm. Now, I love playing the deck. Why? Because I love playing with Ashling. Ashling, to me, is a legendary creature that is so fun to play with that I could literally play with just her and nothing else but mana, right? right? Granted, yeah, I could take out 50 cards and put in some artifacts, or I could take out 50 cards and put in some other red creatures, or I could put... I could do a plethora of other things. I could make an Ashling, the Pilgrim deck, that's filled with Eldrazi, if I really felt like it. But if I didn't enjoy playing with Ashling, there would be no reason for me to build an Eldrazi deck with red creatures in it and have her at the helm, because I don't like playing with her. I wouldn't like what she does. If I'm not enjoying what she does, then that's a deck that, yes, it can be built, it can be played, it's just not my form of fun. If you're playing a Rexio deck, and you're not having fun, and it's not doing what you wanted to do, and you're not actually winning, and you're still sitting there, you're trying it, you're trying to force a relationship with yourself in Rexial. You're trying to force something that's not there. And in some cases, when you're doing that, the best things you can do is either A, just separate yourself from it, accept the fact that you and Rexial are not meant to be together, and move on, and then find, uh, uh, uh what's it, uh, the Night Veil? The, the other blue-black one. Vale? The Vale of the Night Vale? Or Nightclad or whatever? Mm-hmm. Her? Or hell, maybe Grimgrin might be the better blue-black legendary creature for you. Hmm. You know? If you took Rexio out of the top of that deck and put Grimgrin there, maybe that is what you need to have your blue-black commander in your blue-black deck. Hell, maybe if you try all the blue-black commanders, none of them are something you want to play with. Maybe blue-black is not something you want to play. Wizards of the Coast might not have created the blue-black legendary for you to actually play a blue-black deck that you would enjoy just yet. But if you're putting all this time and all this effort and all this investment into trying to get Rexio to work and it's not working, sometimes the best thing for you to do is just put it to the side. Let Rexio go. Maybe someday down the line in the future, when you've gotten a chance to play more Magic, or maybe some way down the line when Wizards of the Coast has printed some other cards, there will come a point where it would be like, ah, oh, man. This really goes with Rexio, and you'll pull up Rexio, and you and Rexio will have a ball together, and you will love the deck. But if it's not right at this time, sometimes it's just not right. All right, so one more point then. What about if there's a particular person that's putting you on tilt? I've gone on record before saying that there are, you know, there's a small handful of people that show up and play ADH that I've played with, and for whatever reason, they just push my buttons. I don't know if it's the way they talk or what they say or what they're playing with. It's not any one particular thing that I can, you know, put my finger on. But there's just something about that person that rubs me the wrong way. And every time I try and play nice with them, I am getting super angry and frustrated. 
then why are you playing with them? Exactly. You know, sometimes that, 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 there's a valid question: Why are you playing with them? Sometimes it's because you know they're literally one of the few people that you have available to play with. You know, if I were so to relate it to running at that point, right, let's put it like this: yeah. If you're let, let's just say for sake of a lack of a name, Luigi. Okay, Luigi walks into the shop. You hate playing against him, right? Yep. But you really want to play EDH tonight, and Luigi is one of the only people here to play. Yep. Which would you rather have? A night where you don't play EDH, you go find something else to do and have fun doing it, or a night where you come home angry and pissed because you had to play with Luigi? Honestly, it's times like that that I do remember Marshall's words of wisdom from, because these are the first or the second time we had him on, where he says that he would actually rather just skip playing than play a bad game. Wait, we had Marshall on? Yeah, we had Marshall on, and that was one of the things that he said. Was that Marshall. He? Yeah. From limited resources. No, not Marshall. Uh, no, I was, I'm sorry. Why did I say Marshall? That's what I was about to say. Like, we've never had Marshall on. No. I've never talked to Marshall. No, no, no. I'm thinking... I've talked to him on Twitter, but I've never talked to him, like, via Skype or podcast. I was thinking of Sheldon. I don't know why it, I said Marshall. Sheldon. Yeah, it was Sheldon yeah, but, who said that. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you have a choice, you know, like, let's put it like this. You have a choice. You have the freedom. You are still a human being, and you are a person. There are options out there. Although you want that's, to play Commander. Hmm? Although that's what I that's what I know I should do. I should just skip the game. Instead, right. what I end up doing is I keep trying to play said game and thinking, okay, maybe this time it will be different. Yeah, and that and that's you making a bad decision. That's like if you're in a relationship with somebody and you know that like right, let's say for instance that you're dating someone and they cheat on you and they leave you, and then like a month later. They come back and they say, oh, I'm different now. I've learned my lesson. You take them back and then they cheat on you and then they leave you again, right? Mm-hmm. At a certain point, when they do come back and they ask you to take them back again, if you decide to take them back, that's your fault. You put yourself in that situation. In this See, particular case, you want to play commander. Let me, let me stop you right there. Because in one instance, someone has legitimately wronged you. This is like, you know, someone, you know, wiped away, played Armageddon. And then they took forever to win, so you were sitting there really just doing nothing, hoping the top deck into lands. Or this is someone who, you know, said they would do something in a game, and then they did the opposite, or they stabbed you in the back, or something like that. Those ones are compared with that. I'm talking about, like, someone who's literally doing nothing wrong other than just being themselves. And that in and of itself is not offensive. But for you, but when they're with you personally, it just irritates you for some reason. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If he's coming to the game and he's just being himself, he's not doing anything wrong, and he's just being him, and he's not like intentionally messing with you, but there's just something about him that messes with you, you're still in the same situation, Will, because it's the, there's something about this where I have the choice. You have the choice. You're sit, you can sit down at this table for the next two and a half hours and deal with this person who irritates the hell out of you. No matter what they do, no matter what you try, you just can't stand being around them. Or you could go to the second option and get up, let them find someone else to play EDH with, wait until someone else shows up, and if no one else shows up, just go off and find something else to do. Go buy a comic book, go to a movie, go get something to eat for dinner. Just accept the fact that tonight you're not going to get a chance to play EDH. You want to play EDH, but you're not going to. At that point, at that point, you're the one who's in control of making that decision. At that point, if you're going on tilt, you're putting yourself on tilt because you're intentionally putting yourself in a position to tilt. So you can basically spend the night getting upset and angry and tilting, and then 
don't complain about it. Don't bitch about it. Don't be upset. Why? Because you did it to yourself. All right, then. So, Count, was there anything else that you think that we could say or talk about on this top particular topic? On this particular topic of tilt? I think we've actually gone pretty decently with yeah. far as discuss. I think that was actually pretty good. So, with that being said, guys, we don't really have any other topics we want wanted to talk about per se, but there was one other thing I did want to go ahead and, you know, have something of a small discussion on, and that was inspired by yet another podcast. So, we'll go ahead and we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. This coming from the same guy who said a moment ago that we weren't going to have section breaks. We're just going to go ahead and do this thing and just kind of let it and let it go where it was going to go. Nope, nope, nope. Here is yet another intermission, another transition, because we're about to go into another segment. Well, so, I say that because I need to refill my water. Uh, yeah, 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 whatever. It's just convenient. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Go ahead, get your water. I'm going to sit here and scratch my foot. So with that with that first discussion, I mentioned you know being inspired by Marshall Sutcliffe's you know talking about how he got over tilting and kind of you know learn how to kind of control his frustrations with the with the game and you know coming to terms with you know sometimes bad games just happen and knowing yeah. to, re- to recognize you know sometimes bad games just happen versus when you actually made some play mistakes and using that to become a better player. This next one is kind of inspired by another one of Mark Rosewater's podcasts. In which he talked about, you know, living life the same way you play your games. Beating people in the face. One goblin at a time. Kind of. In which case he talks about, you know, when you're playing a game, a lot of the times what, you've tr- what you're doing is you're figuring out the objective, you're figuring out the best way to get there. You know, you kind of, when you, you don't let the tilt get you. You learn to kind of stay calm and do what you need to do. And recently, you know, I recently had some life experience where... I had this really important thing that I really needed to try. I needed to try and do it and just get it out there. Black tar heroin. Wait, what? Black tar heroin. That's what you needed to really try? Get out there? No, no, that's... Is that why you weren't available a few weeks ago? Because you were too stoned out your ass? No, that's actually just not the thing at all. Oh. But, you know, I had this this fear. Because, you know, the thing that I need to try, and it's not something I'm ready to talk about on the podcast just yet, but it's one of those things where it's like, once it's out there, it's out there for, for good. You know, you, I'm almost scared to make a decision about something that's almost irreversible. You know, it's like deciding to get a tattoo. You know, in a couple, yeah. in a couple of months, I actually plan on getting this tattoo that I've wanted for well over a year. But, you know, there's still a fear of, you know, once it's on there, it's on there. You know, like you can remove a tattoo with laser surgery, but that shit's expensive. So it's better to think of it just being on there. And that scares the piss out of me. You know, if you go going to the point of no return, that scares the bejesus at me because I don't trust myself to, you know, make gonna hate this. make a life decision and that I'm la- later just going to regret because I know I'm so impulsive and emotional that I that you know sometimes I make decisions that I don't know if it's actually the right one for me in the long term. Even if I've spent like years thinking about it, like the one that I recently had to do, but you know. Then I start thinking about it, and I go, oh, but, you know, do I actually live my life the way I live my games? And I started thinking about, you know, all the playtesting I've been doing for Chicago Spring Fest and how I play these commander games. And the, it dawned on me, you know, 
when I'm playing these playtest games, I don't let the fear of if I make a mistake, you know, that's just it. That's game over. No. More often than not, if I start thinking about something too long, what I'll do is I'll just go, okay, you know what? YOLO it. We're just going to go ham on this. Go full steam ahead. If it's a bad idea, well then, that's good for the next time we do, we do this. Just go full steam ahead. Just do the thing. Just do it. And then I do it. And Like Nike. Yeah. And more often than not, it actually ends up working out for me. Maybe not perfectly. Maybe it was a little rougher than I meant it to be. But it usually actually just works out, even in the playtest. And the few parts where it just ends spectacularly, it ends, you know, unfavorably and it's horribly. Or I just realized that, yeah, that actually just was one of the stupidest things I'd ever done. The lesson itself is still important because I realized that, okay, no, I, this is something that I actually need to avoid. Or I've seen what happens when I do that. Now I know why I don't do it. It's not enough to just know, hey, don't do this thing. You understand the why of why you can't do the thing or why you shouldn't do the thing. So I finally put in, did something last week and I was really happy with the results. I was so happy, in fact, that, you know, it just kind of started snowballing. You know, suddenly I've gotten a bunch of other things done that I didn't mean to do for literally months, but I hadn't actually gotten done. And if, you know, you're someone who knows me personally and, you know, you like know me on Facebook and all this stuff, then you know more or less what I'm talking about. This is some, you know, bigger than bigger life stuff. For you listeners out there, I promise that I'll elaborate more in the future once, you know, I've had more of these life experiences. And I could actually, you know, just talk about it more in full. But Calvin, did you how did when you say, you know, go around punching people in the faces, you know, it makes me think that there's really you no know, there's more to it than that. Obviously you don't want to go around punching everyone's face. You know, maybe there are people that you yeah. do want to punch in the face. Or punch every face at. Yeah. But it's really more about, you know, like being assertive, right? Like not sitting back and and, you know, carefully calculating everything. It's about being aggressive and actually taking on your challenges head on, right? right. That's what it feels like right. to me. Right. So he- here's the thing about me personally as an individual. Me, Calvin, not the captain of the Red Zone, Calvin, the guy that just sits here, does the podcast, stepping out of character for a moment. I have a tendency to try to be as very controlling over my life as I can possibly be. Why? Because I don't like failure. I don't like mistakes. I don't like mess-ups, and I don't like regrets. So I try to do everything that I can to avoid those because I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of losing and I'm afraid of loss. It's one of the things about me that I'm currently working on. See, the thing for me is, is that whenever I do fail at something, I really do kind of like go into like a really downward spiral. And like when my failures start to compile on top of one another, I, as an individual and as a person, feel completely useless and completely worthless. I even fell into like depressions and sadness and moments where I just don't feel like going anywhere or doing anything because everything that I'm going to go do and anything that I'm going to go to is going to end up being a failure because I feel like a failure. But I don't feel that way when I play magic. You know why? Because in magic, I take risks. In magic, I take rewards and I do fail, but I at least get a chance to be adventurous. I get a chance to get out there. I get a chance to try new things and try things and if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter i got a chance to be aggressive and i got a chance to push myself forward it's one of the reasons why as a magic player i express myself on the podcast and to my listeners as one of the angriest and most aggressive people you could possibly know because when i'm playing magic that's what i am but when i'm not in playing magic i'm not the person who does things i've never been arrested 
I've never gone to jail. I don't participate or partake in illegal substances. I live a straight and narrow life, and I try to do everything that I can to keep that. And it's frustrating at times because there are adventures out there in the real world that I could be doing. There are things out there in the real world that I could be going off and dabbing my toe into. And there are failures out there that I could be enjoying just as much as I do when I'm in Magic. But the difference here is, is that when I lose a game of Magic, it doesn't affect anything to me. If I go off and I play a game of Magic with a group of my friends and I lose every game for the next two months, doesn't matter. But if I go out into the real world and I try to get a job and I can't get a job and I try to go to school and I keep failing my classes, those have real world implications on me because that's time and it's effort and it's money and it messes up my livelihood and messes up my emotions and messes my families and all these other aspects of my real life. So I try to do what I can to be controlling of them. I'm probably the, I'm probably more of a control player in real life and I'm an aggro player when it comes to my fantasy life because I would much rather just be the person who goes off there and does these random things and attacks these people and sends these things out. But just like in magic and just like in real life, there are times where you have to come to the point where there's going to be things you're going to try. There's going to be things you're going to fail at. There's going to be things you're going to lose. Just like creatures in magic, there are people in your life that you're going to lose and you're probably never going to get them back. You have to accept that because it's part of life. Just like in magic, there are going to be times when you're going to take risks. And it's just like in real life. There's going to be times where you're going to need to take risks. And sometimes those risks are going to pan out for you and other times they're not. You have to have to accept that. Now, me trying to make my life the way that I play my game of magic. Oh, God, if that were the case and I played I did my real life to where I played magic, I wouldn't be on this show right now. I'd be locked up somewhere because someone would have arrested me for punching them in the face. So you kind of have to learn how to, like, strike the proper balance of the way you are and the way you play. So this way that you can still be the person that you are when you play in real life, if that makes sense. I'm not really sure if that's making much sense. No, you definitely don't want to take it to an extreme. With right, you don't. Yeah, you know, like you don't want to. You don't want to take it to too much of an extreme. But you have to be willing to allow the way you play your games of magic to trickle into your life to have some type of an effect on your actual life. This is something where you want to cross the streams a little bit. Right. It's like the like if you're a confident magic player, you want to learn how to use that confidence that you have in magic in real life so that you can become a confident person in real life. If you're very motivated and you're very determined to make something work and make some type of deck that you're putting together work correctly for you in magic, you have to be willing to also let that type of individual in mindset be a part of who you truly are. Because you have to use that self-motivation to be able to get up and go off and do things. You have a goal, you have an aspiration, you have a dream, you have something you want to accomplish. You have to be willing to let your life kind of take on that aspiration of self-motivation. Your dreams are not going to come to you. Your dreams are not going to fall out the sky. There's no way you, you could sit down on your knees and you can pray to whichever deity of which it is that you particularly take into. I don't judge. But at the end of the day, if that's all you're doing, you're never going to retreat. You're never going to achieve it. You're never going to achieve that dream. If your dream is to travel the world and see places and be adventurous and go places, but you're never doing anything to help get you to that point you're never saving the proper money or you're never figuring out how much it's going to cost you to get from here to there 
or how or what's there that you actually want to do. I mean, like, say, for instance, you want to go to Italy, but you have no idea what's in Italy that you want to do. But if you don't take the time out to figure out what you want to do, plan it out and figure it out, you're never going to do it. But if you're the kind of person who's in magic where you're planning out every step of every game and you're meticulously sitting back and calculating, oh, yeah, he's only got X amount of mana on the field. He can only possibly do so much. I can feel free to do this. If that's how you play your games of magic, but you don't use that mindset in your real life, then the end result is, is that, you know, yeah, you're become a good magic player, but you'll be kind of losing at the game of life because you won't be doing the things you need to actually progress to the point that you want to be at. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that where you want to be at is guaranteed, just like in magic. Say, for instance, you there's, there's a hot girl at work that you like, right? Mm-hmm. You see her every day, you think about her, and you want that. You want her. You want her to be your girl. There's no guarantee that she's going to feel the same way about you. There's no guarantee that she's going to be the person that you're going to want. You want to travel the world. You want to see the world. You want to be with people. And you want to see things and go places. And you want someone to come along with you. There is no guaranteeing that the hot girl at work is going to be that person to go with you. Because she has her own dream. She has her own aspirations. And if her dreams and aspirations don't coincide with yours, all you're doing is wasting your time trying to figure out how to get this girl to change her mind about you to go do something that she doesn't want to do. In which case... There's only really two choices. There's really only three choices that's in that particular scenario. She goes with you and she's miserable because she's not living her dream, but you're happy because you're living yours. That's not fair. You get with her and she lives her dream, but you never live yours. And she's happy, but you're miserable. And that's not fair. Or you come to the realization that the two of you are not actually compatible. The two of you aren't going to be able to work things out. And the best thing for you to do is to let her do her thing and you go do your thing. Just like how I was talking with William earlier about his Rexio deck. Yeah, maybe there may come a point in time in the future after you've got the chance to do your thing and you're moving on to your next aspiration or your next goal and you meet back up with that girl again and suddenly your aspiration and goal is her aspiration and goal. At that point, yeah, then the two of you may be able to connect. But you can't force it. You can't force things to happen that aren't meant to be. And same thing goes in magic. Some things aren't meant to be. Sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you can sit back and you can plot and you can scheme and you can calculate and use all the logical aspects that you have available to you and you are still not going to succeed. It's life. Mm -hmm. The randomization of magic is just like the randomization of life. There are going to be times where you're going to be trying to do something. You're going to be making goals. You're going to envision yourself as the greatest podcast host that's ever walked the face of the planet. And somehow or another, you're still going to be ranked at 3,478 on Stitcher. Is that really what we're ranked? No, no, no. I have no idea. I haven't even checked where we're ranked on Stitcher. I don't, I don't even think we're in a 3,000. I think we're like 18,700 or something like that. I was about to say, that sounds more accurate. Hey, 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 hey. Look, I, I'm just throwing out numbers. Not necessarily saying that they're correct, but just trying to give uh, a little bit of perspective here. I was uh, watching an episode of How I Met Your Mother the other night. Okay? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that show? Yes, I have, actually. All right. On this particular episode... And for any of the listeners out there, uh, How I Met Your Mother is basically a show about this guy named Ted and his group of friends who live in New York City. And Ted is pretty much explaining to his children in the future of 2030 how he met their mom. And the entire show is based around him constantly telling his kids these past stories about his times in New York with his friends and the long journey it took him to go through all the various women and all the various breakups and dating that he had to go to until he inevitably met their mother. 
And on his one particular episode I happened to watch, Ted decided he wanted to go to get uh, help. He went to a, date, a, 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 a dating counselor, this woman who has a 100% success rate with hooking people up. And he was just kind of going there because his friend wanted to go there just to meet chicks. She kicks his friend out. She sits Ted down and tells him that she can find him a mate. He says he doesn't need her help because he can find it himself, right? But then she tells him, okay, well, let's crunch the numbers. Here is the amount of people who live in New York City at this current moment. And she, I believe it was like 158 million people. So you're one guy living in New York trying to find the one girl that you want to be with for the rest of your life who's going to marry you. And after she's done crunching the numbers, she tells him that if you take out the fact that half of the people in New York are men, and then you take out half of the other people that are female are uh, not. In- I remember that episode now. Then you take and then you take out another percentage of the women that are the lesbians, and another percentage of the women that are there. Out of that 158 million people in New York City, she tells Ted that is mathematically only eight women in the entire city who could possibly be a match for him. Now. Granted, this is a fictional television show, and I don't know if these numbers are accurate. And I'm just saying, you know, this is just something that kind of caught my attention. And I'm bringing it up here because the same thing kind of holds true. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you could be out there. You could be searching and looking for the right deck. You could be out there searching and trying to figure out the right way to play. But if there's really only eight decks in the entire game of Magic or in the entire meta that you're playing that actually fits you, only eight decks that you could possibly use that would actually make you happy that you'll enjoy playing from this point forward until the end of days where you've passed away and moved on into a cemetery. The eight decks, out of these eight decks, only one of them that you would be more than willing to take with you and actually have cremated with you into your casket as you're being buried because you want to be a part of this deck. Wow. If that if that's the kind of thing that you're looking for and you've got the type of motivation and dedication to keep playing magic and keep playing cards and keep finding the decks and fine tuning this and getting the right card for this. And you've got that self drive and self motivation. You're going to get the best deck that you've ever had in Commander, but you never apply that to yourself in your real life. You're never going to get what you want. You're always going to be miserable. You're going to be constantly out there playing around with all these various other cards and playing around with all these various other people. And having all these various other experiences, but because you're not putting the same type of self-motivation and the same type of self-drive into doing it in your real life, you're never going to find your true happiness. If your happiness is 8 out of 156 million, and you're not dedicating your life to doing that, but you're more than willing to do that for a magic deck, I'm sorry to say this, dear listener, but I believe you have your priorities in the wrong spot. Somehow I think we went a little deeper than I meant for us to go. I was going to talk about something. That's what she said. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, back to dick jokes and boobs. See how, see how, I'm, I'm, this is the reason why people come to Commander Cast, because we have these really deep philosophical, world-bending, mind-altering discussions, and then out of nowhere, penis. I'm ne- it's a podcast with us in it. Are you really that surprised? No. No, you're not, dear listener. And if you are surprised, then you must be new to Commander Cast, in which case you picked a very peculiar episode to, you know, start off with. And I'm guaranteeing you that not every episode you listen to is going to be like this one. A lot of them are way worse. No. Sometimes we don't even get philosophical. We just talk about penises the entire time. No, it's a fantastic discussion, though. The only other thing that I really have for this was, you know, learning... Ha- well, aside from that. Uh, aside from, you know, sometimes things happen... And you have to learn how to, to work with that. You know, 
there's also the idea that, you know, sometimes you just have to work with what you have. You know, a lot of times you don't have, you know, the right tools or, you know, things aren't exactly as you would want them to be. You know, a lot of the challenge in life and in card games comes with working with the situation as it is right now, thinking about what the future could have, and then playing to what the best opportunity and outcome is going to be for you. Learning not to let, you know, the small stuff get you. Yes, he, yes, someone just got rid of part of your combo. Well, if you were smart and you, you know, you practiced with that deck, you built, you know, backup combos or ways to get that combo piece back into your hand. You know, doing the same thing with life. You know, doing stuff like that with your finances or your job or your career or, you know, your relationships. Doing stuff like that. You know, just finding good practices, finding good habits that you get into when you, you know, are happy when you're playing card games, when you're playing your games, and applying them to real life. You know, when you spend a lot of time, you know, researching the meta or looking into to cards or hell, when you just go diving into archives to look for new tech or anything like that. You know, spending that, learning how to spend time like that to, you know, stuff that's a little more pertinent and impactful to your life, like shopping for car insurance or learning how to pay bills, you know, stuff for like newer adults, you know, people like me who, okay, we actually just kind of had to learn how to pay our bills, how do we get insurance, you know, learning how to budget stuff. You know, when you're playing a game of magic, you don't spit blow all your mana on one thing when you know you're going to be blown out soon. Like, if you have the inkling that a wrath is coming, you don't lay down, you know, an important piece and go, eh, I'll just throw it out there and see what happens. No, you actually do kind of ch- start setting up insurance policy. You go, okay, if he has a wrath, then I have a counterspell ready now. If she's just going to, you know, if my commander's just going to die as soon as I play her, then let's go ahead and hold off and focus on building up some other parts of, of our game, of our life, and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's one thing about magic that I would say can easily help people like that if you applied the way you play magic to your real life that it would actually help you out a lot more because in magic you learn how to be reserved you learn how to like hold some stuff back granted in real life some people like to just go balls to the wall and just throw everything out there not saying that's wrong that's how you live that's how you live but in real life sometimes it's better to save something put some money to the side maybe put an investment on something that's over here Take some time to build something. If you're going to take like how you build your time to get your combo pieces together so your combo can go off, take some time to invest into yourself. Build into yourself. Make things for yourself. Going to school, getting the right type of education so you can get the type of uh, field that you want to be in, figuring out the proper network and the proper people to connect to who is going to be able to make your dreams and aspirations something that you actually want to come true, come true. And, you know, sometimes the reverse is true, too. Especially when you talk about commander, where you're t- where you're interacting with other people, like would you There's actually be other people in real life who's going to be doing things to fuck your fun up? Like we would call you... it haters, William. Like would you make a deal with your friend and you know just stab him in the in the back, like say, hey, I'm going to borrow this money from you, but then never actually pay them back? No. Why would you do the same thing in the game itself? Like why would you tell your friend, okay, if you get rid of this, I won't kill you, and then just promptly kill them on the next turn? Well, if that's the case, if that if if you do that in real life. It's being a shrewd businessman. There are people that you can make those type of promises to, but in the same token, in real life, just like in the game of Magic, you end up having someone who's scorned and someone who doesn't like you and then someone who then makes it their life goal to ruin yours. Well, it's more say, like... Like, like, it's like more... say, for instance, like if you do if you do that type of thing and you're like at work and you tell your boss you're going to make it in for this particular day and you have no intentions on making it in, 
And you know what? Your boss is going to get scorned, just like that magic player that you backstab. And your boss is not going to give you a good reference for your next job or your job or your boss is going to do what they can to blackball you. So then, you know, you have to figure out other ways to better yourself. You can't, if you take that type of mentality from a game and you apply it to real life, you end up getting very similar results. Whereas if you play a game and you're playing a game of commander and you're trying to be positive and you're trying to do what you can, what's good for your group and do what's enjoyable for you and your friends in your group. And you apply that to your real life, then that's what will happen because you apply it to good friends. You're applying real things. You're making investments in other people. And then those people are making investments in you. But it's the same as finding the right play group in a game of magic or a game of commander. It's the same as finding the right group of friends and the right group of alliances in real life that you would actually want. People who are interested in what you're doing, who are interested in you, who are willing to help you do what you're doing, but they still have something that they want to do too. And they're going to do what they're going to do to get what they're going to get. And at the end of the night of a game of magic, if everyone's had fun and everyone's enjoyed themselves playing commander, then everybody's happy. Even if everybody didn't get a chance to win the game or go to where they were going to, they actually got a chance to enjoy themselves. And the same thing applies to being in, life, in, in real life. If you and your friends are doing things, yeah, sure. You may never get the chance to have the pent, penthouse that you were expecting. You may never get a chance to marry the person you were expecting you were going to marry. But you got a chance to enjoy your life, and you got a chance to enjoy yourself, and your friends got a chance to enjoy themselves. And at the end of the day, or at the end of it all, when you're all old and gray and on your deathbed, you won't have anything to look back on and be upset about and be regretful for. The last thing I wanted to point out is, you know, just one of my old, my favorite old adages. You know, play, when you're coming up with your game plan, you know, figure out how you're going to win, not how you're not going to avoid losing. You know, it sounds silly but at first blush, but when you think about it, you know, there are sometimes there are things that you kind of just have to, you know, let go. Because when you realize, okay, I'm in a bad situation, but I need to, to achieve this in order to win my goal. If my goal is this, and I have to do this to achieve it, then sometimes I have to, you know, take that risk. Sometimes I have to actually, you know, if you have a safety blanket, but like whether it's a finance or a certain card, but you know, getting out of that situation, the only way to do that is to get is to you know take a gamble, take a risk, and you know discard that card that was that was you know it's guaranteed to you know keep you alive, but it's not going to help you win. As opposed to that game plan that's going to help you win, if I'm making sense at all. That makes sense for real life. Like say for instance, say if if you're working at a job, yes, it does put money on the table. It does bring money into the house, puts food on the table, but it's not the job you want. It's not where you want to be. It's not how you do it. You're not enjoying yourself. Then sometimes you have to take that safety blanket of the job that you don't like, but pays and be ready to sacrifice it or discard it in the chance to get the job that you do want in the chance to try to get the job that does put money on the table, does, does put money in your pocket and food on the table and takes care of you and your family or whatever it is you have. Now, the closest, I think the clearest one I can make, because you're right, that is about what I'm getting at. The one example that I keep coming back to, you know, it's just a game of football. When I was really into football, it always drove me... I have me no idea where this is going. It, I don't always, even watch it always drove me crazy when, you know, a team would get ahead, but then as soon as they had some sort of a lead, all they would do is, you know, they would run the ball because running the ball is the best way to protect the ball. It's going to avoid turnovers. You're going to avoid, you know, these really big plays that the other team can make. And... 
at that point, you're just kind of just trying to grind out the clock until the game's over and you can walk home with the win. But so many times I've seen teams do that and they let the, the enemy team get back into the game to the point where the other team actually takes over and wins because they just stopped putting, you know, their, their foot to the back. They start, it was less that they started putting in their effort and more they were just, they were happy, content with what they had and they were trying to maintain that status quo. Instead of tr- trying to put away a game and saying, okay, you have no chance of getting back into this game, they just kind of coasted and they gave their opponent the chance to, to fight their way back in. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Uh, it's the, yes, I am currently at a point now where I don't need to put much more into it. I have what I need. All I have to do is prevent you from taking it from me. As opposed to, I have what I need. But I could be doing much better, and I could have more if I put a little bit more pressure on, if I tried to push a little bit harder. And it's because of the fear of knowing that, like, if I do put more pressure, you could potentially come back. Yeah, granted, they could potentially come back, but in the same token, even if you don't apply pressure, there's still a chance that they could still come back. So you have a choice where you can either, A, keep applying the pressure and try to prevent the opposing team from winning because you're doing what you can to win, Instead of doing what you can not to lose, because you've already technically, quote unquote, won. You already have the most points. It's like if you score the first touchdown and you spend the rest of the game just trying to prevent the other team from making a touchdown. Like, no, the best way to do it is get another one and then get another touchdown. This way, in case they do happen to make a touchdown or two, doesn't matter because you've already got seven. Yep. And now you're about to get eight. But if you've only got three touchdowns and they happen to score four, from that point forward, yeah, they won. But the reason they won is because you didn't do anything to get off of your four touchdowns. All right. And with that, I think I'm ready to call this a show. You too? I'm good. I can keep going on. I've got the power. I've got the energy and self-motivation to be able to continue on if I so chose. But if you don't choose to, I fully understand. All right. Then this has been today's Commander Cast. We're going to go ahead and take this to our Okay, so now that we're doing another intermission here, going into the outro, something I'm going to put out here, just for the listening audience, uh, there's these three questions that I want you, as the listening audience, to keep in mind and to use for self-motivation from this point forward. Are you ready? Now, the first question is, can I do it? Now, the reason you're asking this question is, is because it's a typical question, it's basic, you just need to understand what it stands for. Can I do it? Is there something that you want? Say, for instance, do you want to make it to the Pro Tour? Can you do it? If your answer to that is yes, then good. Now, the second question, will it work? Will what you plan on doing allow you to make what you want to happen, happen? So say, for instance, you want to make it to the Pro Tour. Are you doing what you can to make it work? Are you trying? Are you practicing? Are you putting in all the effort? Are you understanding your wins, understanding your losses, accepting them? And becoming better at doing it, can it work? If your answer to this is yes, then good. Because not only now are you motivated to know what you want, you also know what you need to do to get what you want. But now the third and final question, which is the most important one, is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to you? Do you value making it to the Pro Tour? Does getting to the Pro Tour actually something that you consider of worth? Is it something you truly feel that if you took all this time 
all this effort, all this dedication, and all this planning and scheming and plotting and everything you've done to get there, is it really what you want? Is it really worth it? If the answer to that is yes, then you have all the answers that you need to be able to do exactly whatever it is that you want. If you apply these three questions to anything that you have in your life that's in your way, if you can answer yes to all three of them, you will have the motivation needed to be able to make it from where you are to where you want to be. And with that, let's do our outro. All right, everyone, this has been Commander Guest episode 245. I want to go ahead and thank Calvin for being here today. Thanks, buddy. Hey, no problem. I had nothing else to do except for go to sleep anyway and watch a few videos on YouTube and a couple old episodes of How I Met Your Moms. Ooh, that reminds me, Friends is on Netflix, and I want to actually watch that at some point. Animaniacs is on Netflix, too. It is! Like, that first episode just actually says everything about my sense of humor. And Daredevil is on Netflix, too. Have you gotten past the first episode? I did not. Today was This was actually kind of... Uh, well, last okay, week- so my name is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red Zone right here. And if you want to find me, you can hit me up on Twitter at Captain Red Zone. Or you can hit me up on an email at gmail at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. CommanderCast also has a Twitter page, which is at CommanderCast. Or you can also hit us up in an email, CommanderCast at gmail.com. Or you can go to CommanderCast.com. Go down to the comment section of this episode and put a comment there. We'll find it. We'll see it. We'll talk to you. We'll like it. For all of you iPad and Apple users out there, you can find us on iTunes. For all of you people who use Androids, you can locate CommanderCast on Stitcher. We have our show on there, the various other podcasts that do come and go from our site pop up on there. Uh, when they do show up and pop up, let's see, by the time you hear this, the second episode of Coast to Coast Commander will be up. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it was meant to go up last Tuesday, but it went up last Friday. That was a mistake on my part. And I apologize to the men over there and to our listening audience who went to go look for the show and it was not available. The captain made a mistake, and I truly, truly do apologize. Let's see. Uh, So, William, have you gone to iTunes? Have you checked to see if we have any five stars? I did, and we do, actually. Okay. So, seeing as that we have a five-star review on iTunes, listeners, we have iTunes, they have a comment section, and they have a review section over there as well. You can review us on iTunes. And if you give us a five-star, we will read your five-star review right here on the show, just like William is about to do right now. William. This one comes from Nick Usinia on April 16th, one of my favorite MTG Commander podcasts. William's energy is infectious and Calvin's hysterical. Play and Mark are super awesome, too. Great group dynamic, fun, and informative. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, listeners, for all of your various reviews and all of the comments that you give us and the various emails you've sent us. It gives us so much motivation and so much strength to continue doing this each and every week for you because we enjoy doing it. And it lets us know that you enjoy having us doing it for you. So we're going to keep doing it for you and to you. To them. What are we doing to them? We're doing the show to them. We're doing the show dedicated to them because they comment to us. Are we dedicated to them? I haven't dedicated a show to anyone, I don't think. All of our shows are dedicated to our listening audience. We have like the dedication underneath the front cover or the back cover? I believe that it is in the um, subreddit over on Reddit, but I'm not sure. I'll have to check that out. You have to to check with the waffle cone on that one, though. All right, then. We're also on Reddit. 
You can check us out all day on our subreddit. We're over there, going down, Waffle Cone Man's Dad. And Commander Cast is also on Facebook. So you can go over there on Facebook and type in Commander Cast, and you can catch up on the, all the latest articles, all the latest stuff, random posts that William decides to put up there about his um, alpha builds, all that stuff. Commander Cast is also currently on YouTube. We're all over the place. Social medias, be galore. All the various outlets. You can't miss us. We're always around when we're always looking for you to tell us about what you think about us. So, if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can email me, wiehernandez at gmail.com. You can also follow me on the Twitter. I am at lugram1409. Some of you are already donating to our Patreon, and thank you so much for that. But hey, if you want to get on the action, remember that the $5 donors do get to see the alpha build early. You also get the set reviews if you're a $10 donator, which a few of you are. If you're not, don't worry about it. We still love you, but we do appreciate a good tip. And just a tip. A single dollar can go right into the tip jar, and that's all we ask for. But if a little extra happens to slip in, we're not going to complain. All right, then. So thanks to everyone here at the Commander Cast Network. I love you all. I'm looking forward to having you know Mark and Clay on more regularly, especially once Mark gets off school. That's probably really just a bigger turn than anything else. So definitely expect well, him. Wait, on- waiting for Mark and Clay both to get done with their schooling. Yeah, fortunately, uh, Clay's finals are like next week, I think. So he'll be back. Yeah. He'll be back on regularly soon enough. And then once Mark's done with all them chillings, it's gonna be like I think he said June is when we can expect him to come back. And I'm looking forward to that. So thank you all to everyone. Music for our show is the X-Men's Heavy Metal Series by 331 Erod. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! And that's a wrap. Woohoo! Commander Cast, wrapped up and ready to go. Ready to be shipped out to the listening audience. Yes. Dangle bits hmm. all over this bitch. That's all right. I thought I saw the thing go. Okay, the thing is going. That oh. recorder better be going. After that no. extensive no. podcast we just had, if that recorder wasn't going, I would drive out there and I would choke you myself. Although, where did the recorder disappear to? There it is. I see it. It's still recording the call. Yeah. It's weird. Like, the toolbar had, like, it was missing the recorder icon. But it's there. So we're good. It better be. Because if it's not, I will find you. And I will kill you. I'd appreciate it that if you could, you know, hold off on the whole killing me thing. Like, at least wait until I've ha- had my first therapy session. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to wait till you find yourself, and then I'm going to find you. And then I'm going to kill you. Okay, because then at least I'll be at peace with myself. Like, William finds himself. And then Calvin finds him. It's just a cascading chain of finding people. <laughs> All right, then. In Soviet Russia.
Waldo finds you. Hey, Calvin, did you ever play, like, the Phoenix Wright games when those were out? Nope. Damn. But I do I do know of Phoenix Wright. I do know of the games. I've never gotten a chance to play any of them, though. Okay, because they actually started, finally started the anime for that. Really? Yep. And Is it on Hulu? It's, it's, it's on uh, Crunchyroll, so it's free if you're fine with being a week behind. Ah, uh, so that means I gotta go to Crunchyroll? Yes. Now, the thing is, they have, like, an alternative uh, subtitle track that you can use, where it actually uses the uh, the English names for all the characters, rather than the Japanese ones, which I really like. Gotcha. Because, like, in J- in Japanese, Phoenix is, like, Ryu, Hondo, something. Gotcha. But this is American, so you, and, I know him as Phoenix Wright. And you're so used to calling him Phoenix Wright that when Ryu Hondo shows up, you're like, who the fuck are they talking about? I know, right? And then, like, and then I get a certain point, you're like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to be Phoenix. And then, like, episode three comes up, and you're like, who the hell are they talking? Oh, yeah, that's supposed to be him. Got it. Now, and I really like it because, one, what they're doing with the music is they're remixing a lot of the original OST from the game itself. But a mm. lot of what the it's in the show, they recreated a lot of the game feel, which is really neat. So it's kind of like you're just watching... I don't want to say it's like you're watching someone play the game, but it is what, like watching the game itself kind of play out. Because it was more of a visual novel type style game anyway. All right. And they've only got like three episodes out right now. Hmm. So it's actually a really easy catch up. So like the other thing that I started watching this as like new this season is Space Patrol Lubico. And like it's made by the same company that made Kill a Kill, which was this really crazy, you know, hyperactive action show. This one is kind of like that, only... Hmm. All the episodes are only eight minutes long. And it's basically mm. about this girl whose dad is part of a police force, but he accidentally eats a capsule and freezes himself. So now she has to work as like a middle school police officer to, you know, help pay off the surgery that it's going to take to, you know, get him unfrozen. Gotcha. It's, it's really fast-paced, really nonsensical, but at the same time, it's kind of cute. Like, she, part of her transform, like she does this magical girl transformation thing, but when she goes mm-hmm. into, like, her ultimate attack, she actually turns into a gun. Hmm. It's like Megatron, only she's... So she a... into... I am about to say, so she turns into Megatron. It's kind of like Megatron, only she's not actually supposed to be turning into a gun. Like, it's kind of horrifying when you think about it, because she's kind of a normal human, but her body's all twisting around and everything to turn into a gun, because that's what her suit does. Gotcha. So she's like she... it's like she's inside the Springtrap suit from um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, that's actually pretty accurate and horrifying. I basically have been spending most of my time watching old episodes of TV shows I've already watched, watching YouTube videos, and slowly slipping into madness. No, I haven't been slipping into madness. That's a lie. What is American Pie actually about? I have never actually seen that movie. The movie American Pie? Yeah. It's about a group of teenagers who all make a bet to lose their virginity before they get out of high school, and they try to do what they can to try to get laid. And that's it. Yeah, basically. Huh. It's like what? I think it's four, three, four, like four or five teenage guys who's in this friends group or whatever. They try to find someone to get them laid before they get out of high school. Uh, um, one of them ends up like, finding this girl that he likes, but he doesn't want to, like, you know, he wants more out of a relationship with her as opposed to just to do it. One of the other guys ends up having sex with his friend's mom. Uh, one of the other guys ends up like just kind of like getting it done, but it 
and whatever. Some dude sticks his penis in a pie because someone told him that having sex with a woman is like having sex. Well, it's basically someone told him like sex is like warm apple pie, and he kind of gets this image of wanting to know what it feels like. So he ends up putting his penis on a pie, and his dad busts him with his with his stick in the pie. I hope it wasn't a fresh pie. That thing would like burn his it, dick off. It was like you have to see the movie. It was fairly fresh though. All right then. Yeah, and then they made a bunch of sequels to it, most of which are just stupid. Uh, I, most of me, most of them don't even have like an actual like premise that I can think of important of about, importance. I was about to say, how can you have a sequel when your original premise is the guy loses his virginity? Like you can't lose because, your virginity twice. Well, because the this like there's the first one where everyone's trying to lose their virginity. The second one, I believe, was the guy. Remember the guy I said who was in a relationship? Yeah. Who didn't want to? He didn't want to just have sex with the girl, but he kind of wanted to have a relationship with her. The second one kind of like takes place mostly talking about them having relationship and trying to like develop their relationship, while the other guys in the group, I believe, are just trying to go off to college and see if they can get their first piece of um college college pie, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the second one was about. And then there's American Wedding, where it's the guy and the girl he had the relationship with, and they're supposedly at the point now where they're going to be getting married. And I don't remember what the other guys are there doing. I believe they're trying to have sex with, like, the bridesmaids or something. And then there's American Pie Band Camp, which basically is like a flashback to before American Pie, when a bunch of other people who were in this place, in this band camp, because apparently band camp is the place where everybody gets laid in American Pie. It's weird. It, it's a weird setup. It's a weird premise. Most of it doesn't really make much sense, but it's one of those things where it's like, if you think too much about it, you're missing the point of watching it. All right, then. So, topic time. Yay, topic time. Cherry pies. Heat one up in your microwave and stick your dick in it. Or don't, because that sounds really, really painful. All right. Now that he's gone. It's just you and me, listeners. Mm, you like the sultry sounds of my voice? The tones of which the captain speaks? Does that make you hot, baby? I know it does. You ain't got a lie to me. Tell the truth. You know you want to get on my cruise ship. Come and take a sail around the ocean blue, captain. Oh, man. Sunsets and sand beaches. And tequila. And gin. Fireball whiskey. Lotion. All over my back. All over your back feet dipped into the deepest blue waters where we can sit back and swim with the dolphins. Or technically, you can swim with the dolphins because the captain can't swim. But you can swim with the dolphins. I'll go get myself some water wings, get myself a little rope, attach myself back to the ship. This way, in case some shit happens, I can pull myself in. But that's beside the point. Just imagine it. Think about it. Sailboats and hoes. All the hoes. Ho, ho, hoes. All right, I'm back. William back? Oh, oh, hey, William, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. I just come back and I thought I hear something odd on your end. But that can't be it. What was that? Something about my underwear. Okay, so then. Wait, what did you... Were you talking about my underwear? No, I wasn't talking about your underwear. Oh, spice. <laughs> Those horses were actually just the best. What, do you like eating horses? No, no, no. I just remember the uh, the ultimate commercial, right? Where it was uh, Ray Lewis and their classic uh, spokesperson. And they were together, but they were competing... But then they decided, that no, it's not worth competing. They should just be friends. And then they spend uh, the rest of their life being, being thefts together. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, 
one last conversation, and this one won't be as long as one I wanted to go ahead and touch on. So let's go ahead and go into it. It ain't that long, but he wants to touch on it. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. That's what William said. I That could be really bad out of context, perhaps. I don't know. I would not make a joke like that out of context, maybe? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you would. I probably would. All right, then. <clears throat> Then it just got 